Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, January 27th. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling this morning with the Bassmaster, ripping them lips, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, hey yo. yo. We got the international man of mystery, taking it to the Max Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making this magic happen, it's J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Lots lined up for this Wednesday podcast. We got some juicy, juicy trade rumors to discuss. We're going to break down last night's games, and later... A special guest stopping by, Blazers TV analyst Lamar Hurd will swing by the podcast. But before we get to any of that, we were absolutely rocked by devastating news last night. I'm going to try my best to get through this, but longtime NBA reporter and analyst Sekou Smith, he died on Tuesday due to COVID-19. Sekou was just 48 years old. He wrote for the Indianapolis Star and then the AJC covering the Pacers and Hawks before joining Turner Sports in 2009 where he worked as a reporter and an analyst for NBA.com and NBA TV. That's where, obviously, we crossed paths with him. He was a mainstay on Game Time, and he was Mr. MVP Ladder, and he hosted the Hang Time podcast and the blog. This is crazy, crazy news. Sekou is survived by his wife, Heather, and his three children. Our deepest condolences to Sekou's family, friends, and, of course, the entire Turner Sports team uh, over there. Crazy. Obviously, on a tough day yesterday with uh, you know the anniversary of Kobe and his daughters and everybody in the helicopters crash passing, this news comes in later in the day. And obviously, having known him, uh, all of us here on, on this, and Tass talked about him eloquently this morning on what you need to know, um, very, very difficult, Lily. Yeah, this was uh, tragic. We, uh, we heard he was in hospital, um, I guess it was late last week, and uh, that was obviously tough to hear, but... You know, you, you obviously just sort of think and hope for the best. So uh, when that news came through yesterday, it was uh, it was a real blow, a real devastating blow. Siku, um, all, all the tributes online I felt were something I could connect to because in the time that I knew him, I felt like I'd known him much longer and much better than I, than I guess we really did there at Turner. Mm, yeah. And uh, I remember it was um, just after our first season, and I bumped into him one day in in the off season in Marietta, and he was with his wife and uh, one of his children, and uh, we were talking for probably ten or fifteen minutes, just just catching up. And and you know, my wife spoke to him, and I spoke to his wife, and and afterwards, my wife said, uh, you know, he's he's a really nice guy. How, how do you know him? And I said, well, he works at Turner, but I mean, we you know, we don't know each other that well, but uh, it's like, well, he seems like he you know, such a big supporter of you guys and your show, and and just such a nice guy. And I said, he he's one of the most genuine people. I have ever met in this industry and and it was true back then and it remains true today and uh I'm just devastated for him and his family um this is just such a tragic uh circumstance that happened to him um such a nice guy such an honest guy 
so much fun to be around and uh, we're definitely going to miss him. Everyone in the NBA world is going to miss him deeply because he, he was such a positive light. I never saw him angry. I never saw him upset. I never saw him really in any other mood other than a, a positive beacon of energy. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's what I'm going to miss the most about him. Yeah, the outpouring of love um, and respect for Sekou after the news of his death, I think, speaks to his character, no doubt, Trey. Um, and, and obviously his, uh, his work and his, his talent, both on air and as a reporter. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was very difficult. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw Matt Weiner last night. Again, I'm sending all of our love to people that knew him better, like Schumann. I mean, John Schumann is uh, Lang Whitaker, you know, Mark Spears, Jared Greenberg. Uh, we knew him. We, we were around him. And like you said, Lee, like totally spot on. Like I, I was talking to Schumann, you know, you know, sending my love to him last night through DMs. We were going back and forth. I was like, I don't know which was more fun to me about, about Sekou. Was it like the smile that just, that guy had just an unbelievable smile or the laugh, like his voice. I loved Sekou Smith's voice so, so much. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what do you think? Drew? You're totally nailing it, man. Uh, the guy was a legend, like Lee's saying. He was the easiest to talk to. He always had a smile on his face. You could talk to him about basketball for hours at a time, or you could talk to him about Michigan football or his kids. <laughs> it didn't matter. He was ready to have a conversation with you, and he was ready to care about what you were saying, and you should have been paying attention to what he was saying. Uh, you're seeing tributes come down from Adam Silver, Clay Thompson, Chris Paul. These are like legends in the game yeah. right now because Seku was a legend in the game. Like you're mentioning the podcast with Schumann back in the day and with Lang Whitaker, Rick Fox. That was one of the original basketball podcasts out there along with TBJ. Uh, the guy opened so many doors for so many people. I felt like I was wearing out the like button yesterday, seeing all these incredible tributes from people all around the uh, the NBA world, from teams to players to executives to reporters, just everybody. It seemed like Seku had a kind word to say for every single person out there. And if you had something to ask him, he was going to have an answer for you. I was lucky to work with him a few times during the finals. They would put us on a right. few random Facebook promotional things, and it felt <laughs> like it went by in a second just because the guy was a genuine, positive, likable guy who could talk for hours and hours. Um, we're all going to miss him. Yeah, I saw, obviously, our friend Brent Barry Bones. He was tweeting out you know, some thoughts about him passing, and uh, there was something that stood out to me that Seku, this is Bones writing this, that Seku had an ease and a quiet confidence about himself and what he represented. And man, in a weird television setting, when you get on air, uh, there's a lot of fake people in it, and it's it's an artificial, weird thing. Nothing fake about Seku Smith. It was exactly, exactly like he was when you saw him in the hallway talking hoops, as he was when he was sitting on a desk across from somebody else, you know, giving his opinions on the MVP and the games and stuff like that. And that's... That's not easy, and it's not, and it's it's that that quiet confidence. I love that ease that, that Bones talks about that uh, that I that I'll remember of Seku for sure. I don't know if you have anything to add, JD. Obviously, having been around him with our time at Turner as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, ditto, ditto, ditto. The guy he was a great guy, a very easygoing guy, easy to talk to, and one of the first people at Turner to actually welcome us in, which mm -hmm. was a pretty cold environment when we first got there. But Seku was right there uh, and felt made me feel at home, made me feel comfortable. And whenever I would see him in the in the halls and, and like you guys are saying, I wouldn't talk basketball with him. And he knew that I didn't want to talk about basketball. <laughs> and, he'd, and he'd talk about his family, who he loved so much. And, uh, and we'd just talk about kids and... And and it was just he was just a great guy and it's a fucking a fucking COVID man that that's it you know wear a mask I don't know yeah 
For sure. All right. Sending again our, our condolences to Seku's wife and his kids and his entire family and friends and, and, and again, the, the entire Turner Sports team over there. We'll try and get through the rest of this podcast here. Let's do it. Uh, you know, Seku would want to talk some hoops. There's no doubt. They were not the sexiest games. I think Seku would be the first to tell us that. They were not the greatest uh, three games on last night, but we'll quickly go through them. And the first one, John Wall scores 24 to lead the Rockets over the Wizards 107-88. to Lee, big takeaway from this. Yeah, well, it was a pretty close game until John Moore really took over in the last seven minutes there. Uh, hit a couple of shots, made some right plays, and uh, and got his team the victory. Now, you know, coming into the, this, there was a couple of storylines. Of course, Beal and, uh, and John Wall were teammates there in Washington for a lot of years. Now, their relationship didn't really end in a, in a hostile way. It was more just like the, the team moved on. So John Wall was more trying to prove a point to his team and the franchise and the Wizards rather than his ex-teammate there uh, in, in Bradley Beal. And then you also, uh, of course, you had Wall and, and Russell Westbrook who were traded for each other just prior to the season. And uh, that one was a little bit more spicy, but uh, I think that's probably more Westbrook than anything else. Both guys were on a, on a minutes restrictions. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a close-ish game, um, but uh, the, the Rockets pulled away in the end. And really, I mean, it's post-game... You saw Bradley Beal, who had another good performance for the uh, Washington Wizards, just looking completely distressed on the sidelines. And uh, really, the question out of this game, as we've been kind of asking and alluding to the last couple of weeks here anyway, is is does Bradley Beal stay with the Wizards for the rest of this season? Because uh, they're going nowhere right now. He's putting up great numbers. There's no question he would be in demand. Um, And I think he needs to move on from the Wizards as well. So... You know, uh, that's that's probably the the biggest talking point I think coming out of this game um, because you know it's it's like not neither of these teams are really uh, a threat to was well, I mean the Rockets I guess could make the playoffs but uh, they're certainly not a contender so it's really just do the Wizards hit the reset button here move on from Bradley Beal and maybe even move on from Westbrook if they can get a first round pick out of him because uh, I just can't see this team going anywhere for the remainder of this season. Yeah, every loss that uh, piles up there. For the Wizards, Trey, it does feel like the echo chamber gets a little louder with the uh, trade Beal, save Beal, get him out of there. Hey, Beal, ask the front office to move you. They're 3-10 and 10 now. They're 1-8 in games Westbrook has played. He has not looked great. He was mm-hmm. he was you just visibly upset last night and then, yeah, started talking some trash with Wall, who was giving it back to him. And Wall said after the game, Russ has been kicking my ass for years. <laughs> like, this is only, <laughs> only my third win against Russell Westbrook uh, that he's been in the league. This is John Wall talking. So um, I don't know if it's any more than that, just a frustrated Westbrook. But, yeah, what do you think about the the idea of, like, will Beal just, like, go to front office and say, I do not want to be here because I don't want to be on a team that's not even going to be in a play-in tournament? He just signed that huge deal, though, right? Like, yeah. he's still got two seasons after this one. The Westbrook and Wall, uh, Donnie Brook, what happened there? Uh, Westbrook goes by Wall, Wall falls down, and it seemed to me like he was basically saying, yeah, I tripped. Because you could see Westbrook saying back to him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So yeah. I was like, is he upset? Is Wall upset that Westbrook is trash-talking him for tripping over his own feet? That's what it might have been. They hit him with the double text, and everybody just moved on. But if you're Bradley Beal... Despite the fact he's got this huge deal still on the books, you got to be frustrated, man, because he had, what, 25 through the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, it feels like he's not even getting the ball. Like, it feels like he's barely getting a touch. I know he had eight points. He took a bunch of shots. But there are times when he just doesn't even get a look from Westbrook. He'll just be standing at the top of the court. It feels like Kevin Durant waiting to get the ball all over again. But I don't know. You kind of made your bed. Now sleep in it. (laughs) Maybe your team would be a little bit better 
the 30 points is doing nothing for this team. You know, they can yeah. score. He's getting 30 every single night, and it has zero effect because this one was close. This was a four-point game when Westbrook, or I guess John Wall goes to the hoop. Somebody tries to take a charge. They reverse it. It's eventually a three-point play. Suddenly, the Rockets are winning by 20 without yeah. Christian Wood. I mean, what uh, Wall and Oladipo started clicking there in the fourth quarter. That's a little bit encouraging if you're a Rockets fan, but if you're a Wizards fan, ugly stuff because... Westbrook and Beal out there. You just got to hope that eventually Westbrook finds his way because right now the mix of those two is it's not good. No, not at all. I would say another good thing for Rockets fans too. You said no wood, but Cousins obviously getting a little bit more of a burn. 47 points and 28 rebounds for DeMarcus Cousins over his last two games uh, combined, obviously. Pretty damn impressive because there's been a lot of attention on Wall coming back from the injury and how great he's looked. Cousins is slowly rounding into form. Again, he's helped out by no Christian Wood over the last couple, but they got the victory. I will say... um, I forget if you were thumbs up or thumbs down, Trey, on the baby blue H-Town jerseys. Were you down? Because I want to burn these. I hate <laughs> them. I just hate the Rockets wearing blue. And then I can't stand a light blue versus a dark blue matchup <laughs> on the Rockets floor. So get rid of these. I, mean, I want to know, do Houston fans like these? I'm like fascinated to know whether they like the... Uh, well, the baby blue and then the H-Town and and all that. I, I, I bet you like it if you're a big Warren Moon fan. I guess. Know, out there I like slinging the rock. If you're an yeah. Earl Campbell fan, maybe you like these as well. But yeah, it was weird. I was, I don't know why, but I was watching this one on the Wizards broadcast. And okay. they're like, all right, John Wall looking different in some Rockets colors. I guess those aren't <laughs> actually Rockets colors. Yeah, <laughs> it is a very weird thing. And as we've said before... Maybe blue, not always the most flattering color on people, especially once you get playing because you're showing those sweat stains, no oh, doubt yeah. about it, once you're playing hard. I was watching the Rockets broadcast, and let me tell you, they were not holding back their thoughts on Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Lee, did you watch the Rockets? Yes. Oh, my God. What, you know, Westbrook bricks a shot. Well, we've seen that before, haven't we? Yeah. Like, they were, like, going <laughs> In on him, I thought. Yeah, but last year though, oh Westbrook, look what he's That's bringing what to this team. <laughs> like, it's like, oh my god, they they switch pretty quickly. But of course, he was only there for one season, yeah. so uh, they can they can throw him under the bus pretty easily there. But uh, I just think, can you imagine a Kim Elijah one in those baby blues? No way would he <laughs> oh, be come wearing on. those. He wore one of the worst jerseys in NBA history. Remember the stripy uh, Rockets jerseys? Yeah. Those are worse than the baby blues. So yeah, Hakeem would probably uh, yeah. be happy to put on those ugly things. At least it's just they were weird. It's weird when, like, a team goes so far away from their color, like, scheme, right? Like, the Rockets, you think red. You think yellow. Okay, you think white. It just baby blue does not cross your mind. Now, you're right. You bring up the great point about the, the there being the city jerseys. I'm sure the, the link there is, like, these Houston Oilers teams and stuff like that. But it's just doesn't sit right with me either Lee. it just looks mm. like crap too and we you know, like cousins is soaked by minute two through the thing <laughs> it's a bad look good victory though for the rockets so i believe improved to seven and nine so they're you know they're holding on there and this players. is not dissimilar though i will say for westbrook his start with the rockets last season right he True. was looking terrible we were saying yikes this could be True. the end for westbrook but then they completely rebuilt their team around him is that what the wizards are going to have to do it'll help when they get davis bertans back i do think maybe they should start him over robin lopez and say we're just not even gonna make an attempt <laughs> at stopping anybody defensively because our best chances their best chances to outscore people playing robin lopez over a shooter is not going to actually make your team a more competitive team it's a more normal looking team but if you get bertans out there at center maybe there's more room for westbrook to one run wild but still man Give up the ball. Pass it to Bradley Beal every now and then. Oh, yeah. 
All right, our next game. Trey Young, 38 points, leads the Hawks. Kaka! Past the depleted Clippers, 108-99. Yeah, Trey. The Clippers without three starters, right? No Kawhi, no Paul George, and no Patrick Beverly. Um, they put up a fight, but uh, in the end, the Hawks pulled it out. What was your big takeaway? Yeah, they played hard. Terrence Mann played hard, but Kawhi, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly are all three guys who could have taken a turn on Trey Young. Without those guys there, Trey Young took advantage. 38 points for him. He really took over in the third quarter. There was just nobody to guard him. He had a logo three uh, late in the game, a dagger, makes the three, then points down to say, yeah, I shot that one from really, really far away. Also a nice game uh, from Kevin Herter. Struggled through the first three quarters, 13 in the fourth. And another big game for DeAndre Hunter, 24 on the night. He had his is in the midst of a nice second season. He's driving. He's finishing at the hoop. He had a little floater that he banked in on purpose, and they kept showing him afterwards, basically like, yeah, I meant to. I really meant to do that. <laughs> right. I, I was Because when you see somebody bank in a shot from in front of a hoop, it always looks weird, even yeah. if it's on purpose. But he did it. He's up to 17 per game. He's almost at 50, 40, 90 now. DeAndre Hunter was looking a little busty last season, or at the very least, uh, it was making the Trey Young-Luka Doncic trade look even worse. You know, they acquired... Cam Reddish, and they may, and they are obviously there to to be able to pick Hunter. But you were kind of thinking Hunter and Reddish and Trey Young equals Luka Doncic. I don't know, but this season Hunter has been all right. Also, got to mention Clint Capella, almost another big beef. Yeah, I know. Twenty six boards he had three games ago. Followed that up with nineteen a couple of nights ago, and nineteen again last night. He had fifteen going into the fourth quarter. And I feel like Avica Zubats did not want to end up in that big beef clips because no. that guy was getting a body on Clint Capella in the fourth quarter like crazy. I feel like Rodman in the last dance where he's like checking all these angles, explaining how he rebounds because I'm watching Clint Capella the whole time. Is he boxing out? Is he getting this board? You know, somebody takes a shot from uh, the right wing. You're like, oh, he's on the left side. This is looking good for Clint. Somebody takes a bomb from way deep. Trey Young bounces out to the free throw line. Clint Capella's right there. That man's going for the beef. I love it. He definitely is. He's just coming up short. He can smell the roast beef, but he, he can can't smell taste it. it. That's that's what's going on here. Anything to add uh, to this one, Lily? Well, just that Trey Young is uh, looking like he's got his juice back as well. He's had three big, big games in a row, 38, 43, and 38 now against the Pistons and the Timberwolves prior to this one. But the Clippers game last night, as you guys mentioned, they're so severely shorthanded. This is a game the Hawks have to win. They have yeah, to be able to yeah. bury a team that is completely uh, depleted through it, uh, through injuries and COVID protocols and things like that. So that was great. But uh, yeah, I just I just like seeing Trey Young. He's getting back to the free throw line as well. 11 last night, seven the game before, and then the three games prior, he got to the uh, free throw line, double digits game. So he looks like he's sort of shaking himself out of that malaise there that carried him for uh, a week or so after that little bust up with John Collins. I think that's good. So good, important win for the Hawks. Yeah, final completely pointless note about Capella's rebounds, Trey, because you said he had 19, right? And I saw that last night too, and I was watching for that 20th. Is he going to get the roast beef? But then I saw this morning on Basketball Reference box score, at least, they got him down for 18 rebounds. I'm telling you, so there's they, a little home-cooked beef here in Atlanta. Yeah. This guy, he's a, he's a tipping machine out there. You yeah. want to invite him to dinner because he's picking up the tip. And he is, really. Like, he's just flying at the hoop. He's throwing his arms up. He's hitting every single ball. And a lot of times when uh, there's a tip out, get the credit for the rebound maybe some people scored a little bit differently yeah. though yeah so so maybe it's 18 in the end but still a great game he's playing really really well for them final game here jazz rally past the knicks 108 94 jazz win their ninth straight took down your knicks there lily put up a good fight austin rivers man i thought he, we were, thought we were getting a 50 burger from austin rivers he had 25 <laughs> in the first half he had zero in the second half uh royce o'neill got matched up onto him at times and the jazz really locked in on trying to slow him down and here the jazz are another victory um it wasn't pretty i know snyder after the game said uh people talk about winning ugly and tonight's 
ugly was pretty. Um, so he's happy with the win, but it was really gross. I mean, again, none, none of these games were all that amazing last night. But the Jazz are up to the third best uh, defense in the league, 107 defensive rating. And pairing it with a top five offense because of this supercharged three-point shooting, uh, James Herbert of CBS Sports had a great write-up on the Jazz and what they're doing this year offensively. They rank first in three-pointers made, third in third uh, three-point attempts, and second in three-point percentage. And this was a nightly where Mitchell didn't have it going, and they still mm. get it done because... Conley, Bogdanovich, especially in the third quarter, they sort of took over. The three started dropping. Um, and again, Roy, Royce O'Neal, who not only played awesome defense, he had a career-high 20 points. I had to fact-check that. Mm. 20 points. You know, you would have just yeah, thought yeah. Royce, Royce O'Neal would have a, I don't know, a 25 in him somewhere, gets a ton of minutes one night. But he sets a career-high, and he played really well. I thought he did a great job on Randall at times, too. He is an awesome defender because he oh, can yeah. play a lot of guys, like one through four quite easily, I think. That's the thing. They've got those guys like Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich who are really good offensively uh, just because they just can be out on the floor and hit those shots. But then you've got a guy like O'Neal who can also hit it, but defensively, he's just fantastic. But this is the Jazz at their best. When they look great, their defense is in sync, and then their offense, they just come down, and everyone, it feels like, can shoot threes. Got off to a slow start, no doubt about it. But uh, you just sort of wondered if if Austin Powers was punching a little above his weight, although he does like playing the Jazz. He had a great game against the Jazz. <laughs> Does he make you horny, baby? Uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, also uh, Rudy Gobert almost had a little roast beef too with 19 Indeed. rebounds himself. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, good good win for the – you could hear uh, Tom Thibodeau, I think for the first time this season, coming through on the broadcast there too. Oh, yeah. You could hear him a couple of times. There was one time when Jordan Clarkson was on uh, – no, hang on, Austin Rivers was on – yeah, he was like, cook him, cook him. Were well, you saying something? There. I couldn't quite make it out, but it was clearly Tibbs' voice. So uh, good to have him back on the sidelines, screaming and ranting like a crazy man. Yeah, again, the Knicks were like shooting lights out in the first half. They were like 55% or maybe 56%. And then they made 12 total baskets in the second half. Uh, they scored 13 points over the final 12 minutes. Uh, and that's where the Jazz ran away with this one, Trey. Yeah, if you were a newspaper man, you would call this one a tale of two halves because oh. Austin Rivers was going off, but uh, it didn't last. But nice win for the Jazz on a night when Mike or, uh, Donovan Mitchell only scored nine points to be able to get a come-from-behind victory with all the other depth pieces on your team playing well. That's great news for the Jazz. They've been doing it with the three-point shot for the majority of this season. Only made five in the first half, made ten in the second half. That was the difference. Yeah, and now the Jazz, I believe, have moved up into second place in the Western Conference with the Clippers losing, uh, them being depleted there in that loss to the Hawks, and the Jazz continuing to win. Make it nine straight. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. 
Trust in Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. We will get to some rumors because Shams coming through with that inside pass on The Athletic yesterday. He was dropping some names, some juicy names that we got to talk about. But let's get to our special guest because he's joining us super early on the West Coast. And we're really appreciative. There he is. It's Blazers TV analyst Lamar Hurd. What's up, my man? What's up, fellas? How you doing? True honor to, oh. to be able to join you guys. Oh, we really appreciate it. Again, it is very early where you're coming from. So we thank you for uh, jumping on here. And well, let's just get right to it. We, I mean, the way this happened is because you are the wedgie whisperer, Lamar. <laughs> There's like been four wedgies from the Blazers and you're giving us a shout out every time. There's something about you. That ball's getting stuck. Yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, like the amount of wedgies we've had this year are, I think, more than we've had in any other season. And we're only a month in. Especially like the last one we got. I think it happened off of like a block. Yep. And I I don't know that that's happened in any of our games before. It probably has, but um, I just can't remember that. And you guys are the first ones that I remember talking about it. You know, like my first year uh, in the league was the 2016-2017 season. And uh, for me, coming from the college game, I hadn't – like I watch NBA. You know, most basketball players do, but I hadn't really dived into it very deeply. So, like, there's little things that I don't know, like, what are the hot shows? What's some of the the um, the info behind the scenes? Those kind of things. And so um, I, I got on to you guys at the starters and uh, you guys just bought so much joy to people, like with your show and uh, talking about the wedgie. And that was the first time I felt like I had heard it. Like all the years I played basketball, I don't remember ever hearing that term. I remember <laughs> talking about it. And it stuck and it fit. So. Anytime I see it in games, like, I got to give credit where it's due. You guys are the kings of the wedgie. Well, we really appreciate it. We, we get a big kick out of it anytime you drop that. And you're one of the ones, like, the rare guys that, like, a lot of people know us from the starters. Some, you know, not so in tune with us moving to no dunks and part of the athletic. But you're right on it. That's why we really appreciate it. Because, like, most times we'd be like, oh, the four guys at the starters. And then they leave it at that. But you're dropping the no dunks. So, hey, like, while you're talking about how did you get into you know, you know, television broadcasting into into co- and covering games like that. Yeah, it's really weird. It's a, it's a long story that would take up a lot of time in terms of how that all came about. But basically, what happened in two thousand seven, um, I basically retired from playing. I just played a year overseas in Germany. Came back to the Portland area because I went to Oregon State University. Portland's about ninety minutes north of Corvallis, which is a city where Oregon State is. And I started working with a group of kids in youth basketball. And the reason I did it was because I grew up in Houston, Texas, and my childhood basketball coach is probably the most influential person in my life because I was a kid that, like you guys, loved basketball through and through and would do anything for it. I watched every game. I knew all the players. I knew all the stats. I just loved it. So when I met my basketball coach as a sixth grade kid, um, he was a great influence to me. And so what ended up happening is I moved from Southwest Houston 
to this little town north of Houston called Cleveland, Texas, to go to this tiny 1A private school that had about 130 kids, K through 12. But I had the time of my life because the coach had a key to the gym. We had a good time. We always played. Um, and so I spent seven years with this guy. And once I got a little bit older, I realized how much he had really impacted my life just through my love for basketball. So fast forward to I spent four years at Oregon State. I spent one year uh, overseas in Germany and come back to the U.S. just for a quick pause. And a friend of mine, my actually my college roommate said, while you're in town, you know, before you go back overseas or at the time, I had um, an invite to get involved in the D-League. And so my friend said, well, before you go do that, why don't you go work out at this gym called The Hoop? It's a six-court facility in Beaverton, Oregon, which is where the Nike headquarters are, um, west of Portland. And, uh, you know, just work out for free because that's what we're all looking for, like, (laughs) college. And so I did it. And uh, while I was in the gym, I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I feel like I'm able to do for these kids what my coach did for me all those years. And I like retired. So when I did that, guys, in 2007, I thought there's no way I'll be on TV. I always wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be an analyst. I wanted to you know, share my love for the game through that medium. But did you I take thought, classes when you were at school, like communication classes? Well, I, took, I took communication classes. Yeah, I did. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I think I got from those classes was just the understanding of how and why and asking all those extra questions mm-hmm. and going beneath the surface. Um, but I thought all those qu- classes were for waste when I decided to retire at 23 with a up and down career in college and a shortened professional career. But um, Oregon State University's uh, administration they asked me to be a part of a coaching search that they were doing um, mm-hmm. 2008. And I joined to do that. And during that whole process, they asked me, do you still want to get in TV? I said, yes, but I have no idea how. They ended up connecting me with Fox Sports Northwest, which was covering all the regional games in our area. And I had a meeting with the executive director. And two weeks later, I was hired. And that was my introduction to TV in 2008. And since then, it's just been going from Fox Sports Northwest to Root Sports Northwest to Pac-12 Network to some games at ESPN to 2016. The Blazers called me unexpectedly. And here we are now. Wow. And so you obviously must love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I I love anything with basketball, um, but specifically as it pertains to being with the Blazers. I've been in this city in Portland area since 2007, and I've made a lot of contacts, a lot of relationships. And like I talk about the game of basketball, you got a lot of influence through it. You can have a lot of impact. I love our organization's uh, mission. You know, it's, it's really about impacting people through our platform. Uh, we're the biggest show in town here, the yeah. Trailblazers, and it's been that way for a long time. So in addition to the cool basketball that we get to watch and be a part of, uh, we get to do a lot of really neat things in our community. So it's been a really nice fit for me. I think your love of the game really shines through on the broadcast. You're obviously having fun calling these games. We got questions from some of our fans. They were asking, is there beef? between you and Jordan Kent. I think he's a duck, right? <laughs> a beaver versus duck beef? Uh, no, there, there, there's no beef. There's no beef. We had a good time. Um, we we actually, we found this out the first week of doing games that we are the only um, pl- um, play-by-play analyst combo that's ever played against one another. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> I was told in history. I don't know if that's wow. true, but... I would guess you guys would know that stuff. Oh, kind of cool. We're we'll we'll gonna look it up for sure. On that one. Yeah, yeah, I was told that. Uh, but we, it was fun. We had some really good games here. The Oregon State Oregon rivalry is a really, really big deal. Uh, games are always packed. It's always high energy, and we had a lot of fun, good matchups during that. But yeah, we 
we uh, were able to set all that aside in order to provide a trophy. <laughs> what was it? What was it like though for you going from a legend in Kevin Kevin Calabro there to joining Jordan? Because it must have been a big transition. Kevin's been around the game forever, uh, and then you're going uh, up against a guy you played against. So, what was that for you like as far as you know that relationship and building up that chemistry? Great question. Um, well, the benefit that. Jordan and I had is Jordan has been a part of the organization since the same time I've been a part. So I came in in 2016 to be the TV analyst. He came in in, in 2016 to be the studio um, host. Mm -hmm. So we've worked together like with our draft show and different things. And, and, you know, so we see each other on game nights. So it's not like it was kind of like a new guy coming in. Right. And I thought he, he's done a great job coming in, especially considering the circumstances. His first games guys were in the bubble. So his first games were us calling from studio under those circumstances, um, you know, not only with what was going on in the NBA, but just in the world at the time. There's a lot of stuff going on and that could be tough for a new play by play play by play to navigate. Uh, but I, I feel like it's going well. But as it pertains to Kevin, Kevin is uh, man, he's he's just one of a kind. He, he really is. I, I had the benefit of working with him a few times in the college game before we joined the Blazers together. We both worked at the Pac-12 Network. But some of the things like that guy says during a broadcast is amazing. It really is. Like, you got to go back sometimes <laughs> and listen to it and watch a game. Like, I remember one thing sticks out to me to this day. He, um, the Blazers were playing Minnesota, and Andrew Wiggins went to the basket for something, and he's, like, jumping – for an offensive rebound. And Kevin is like describing it. You know how Kevin talks like really fast, like Wiggins goes to the basket. You And like he can say everything and it's clear. And he says, he jumps out of his skin. And then he like keeps talking. And like, as he said it, like he said the dude jumped out of his skin. And it's super simple, but who thinks that? In the flow of her, you know, like it didn't even stand out. And I'll never forget that because it was like the wildest thing. It's, it's, it's out of the skin. That's it. But I was like, I never, I haven't heard that the way you just said it. And like, you were just talking about the shot he shot. And then it turned into that. He's, he's incredible. And I know a lot of times people uh, who've had like Hall of Fame careers, you know, it's easy to go and say, and he's a Hall of Fame person. And that's not always the case. But with Kevin, it really is. Kevin is somebody who uh, really cares for people, understands um, some of his fortunes in life and was always someone who was looking to try to improve other people's lives. Like we had countless conversations on the airplane from one city to the next or in, a, in an opposing team's arena's media dining room before a game where the conversation may start off with who's going to start tonight for the Blazers because there might be an injury to what's going on in the streets in Detroit and what's going on here and there. And it's just all over the place. So I really appreciated that about him because he's just a super authentic person that just cares, cares about life and is exceptional at his job. That's awesome to hear. What's it been like this year for you to call these games remotely? I mean, that's got to be strange. And then back into the bubble as well. Like, that's got to be a different experience. I would assume a very, I mean, I hate doing this like we got to do on Zoom. You know, you, we usually get together, obviously, in a studio and, and get to shoot the shit like person to person, face to face. But I got I just got to assume it's a little more difficult, right? It's so weird and it is more difficult yeah. and it's just strange and it's just what what it is right now. This is yeah. a sign of the times and 
Um, knowing that everybody has to go through it just makes it a little easier to just deal with and realize, like, I don't have anything to complain about. Like, right. first of all, we, we still get an opportunity to go and call games and be employed and do those kind of things. Uh, but just even going into the arena, like it used to be like we could walk literally anywhere we wanted to go in the arena, by the locker room, up in the stands, by the suites, wherever. Uh, we have key codes that can get us into any door in the arena. Now you go in, your path is charted. It's straight to one spot, yeah. straight to this elevator only, straight to these seats. Um, so just even from that standpoint, it's different. And then the actual games, it's not, now, the crazy thing is now kind of seems normal. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, I feel like once fans do come back and things go back to what it used to be, like there's going to be an adjustment, at least for me, to that because right. I've gotten so used. Yeah, because I've gotten so used to like how we do it now. Like it'll be a quick adjustment because it's the natural way. But um, you, you kind of settle into a comfort zone with where things are now. You're used to no fans there. Uh, you're used to like for me, one thing I really enjoy before games is like talking to the officials. Right. So. I'll go and I'll ask the officials certain questions just because I enjoy like learning the nuances and their rules and the different interpretations and stuff like that. And so like, I haven't been able to do that since the bubble. And so there's things that happen on the court sometimes where uh, we can't hear what they're talking about. Um, or there might be a call that if things were normal, I would go and ask an official the next game, Hey, did you see our last game? And they'll say yes. Cause usually they watch all the games and, and I say, hey, what did you think about this call? And why was it called this way? And so, like, just not being able to have those kind of conversations, not being able to talk to – like, I haven't spoken to any of the players. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because I assume you must have used to do that all the time, right? Yeah, the players, yeah. the assistant coaches. The assistant coaches is a big one. Like, uh, one of the assistant coaches, he and I, we we have dinner a lot um, in, uh, in during role games. So, in the right. media dining room, like, he'll – finish his work on the court, come into the media dining room. We got kind of like a set time. We'll come in there, talk, just hang out and just little things like that. Like you get little nuggets of information and know, you know, what the game plan is for the night. So yeah, all of that, it's, it is difficult. Um, it increases your prep before you go to the arena. Cause there's some things I might be looking at in a game notes or whatever. And I'd be like, ah, whatever. I'll just ask Dominique Wilkins when, when I get to the arena, I ask Sean Elliott when I get there, you know, those kind of things. And you don't really have that. But what some of us broadcasters have started doing is we've set up calls on game day. So we'll just have like a quick uh, 15 to 30 minute call with the radio and TV team, go over some things. It's still not the same, but it's a it's a decent replacement. That's pretty cool. Let's talk about your Blazers start to the season. Okay. How would you grade it so far? I know you guys have been, once again, it feels like decimated by some injuries here, but like, what are you grading it through like really for the first quarter of the season? Yeah, uh, man, I don't – tough, tough. I don't know if I give it a specific letter grade because some of it's incomplete too. Um, uh, I'll give C.J. McCollum an A+. Mm -hmm. He got off to the best start of his career. The way he was shooting the ball, averaging five main threes a game. He's shooting more, about 11 a game. Um, He was leading and scoring for a while. Like we were, I think, seven, eight games in, and he was the leading scorer of the Mm -hmm. team, which – since I've been here, that's never happened and didn't happen before that because he was only in his second year as a full-time starter when I first joined the team. So it sucks because there's this feeling around Portland that as soon as good things start to happen, like CJ having an all-star career, his first, uh, I think it would have been his first selection this year. Um, 
something happens. You know, like a couple of years ago, guys, the team was playing great, and then Yusuf Nurkic goes out with that leg injury, mm-hmm. and the team still made the Western Conference Finals run. But um, right now, defense is is the big issue, and guys were bought in specifically to help fortify that end of the floor. Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, uh, specifically. And it just hasn't happened yet. Coach Stotts has kind of tinkered with a few different defenses, trying to be a little more aggressive. In years past, the Blazers have been more on a conservative end, um, dropping the big and pick and roll, you know, wings not being really chancy and risky on the on the wings defensively. But they've tried to implement a bit of a more aggressive approach at times. And look, this this is this is the last year where you want to try to implement things where you didn't have training camp practices <laughs> a few and far between. So it's just rocky right now, but I've been here since 2016 and it feels like each season when the team hits a Valley like this, there's a peak right around the corner, right? There's something that goes on last year. The team had injuries right out the gate. Uh, Carmelo Anthony joins the team. Damian Lillard loses his mind and plays his score basketball. So oh, yeah from 40 feet with regularity. So like, I don't get shaken during these times. Like for me, it's always kind of like a bit of a, an adventure of, okay, what's going to happen next? Cause yeah. you know, something good is going to happen because that's what history would indicate. Who is somebody that you're looking at to kind of step up in, in the lieu of these injuries? You know, we saw Anthony Simons just had an awesome game earlier this week. Gary Trent Jr. Was obviously humongous in the bubble. There's some young guys that are on this team uh, that we've seen have flashes of some serious potential, and it seems like the Blazers are going to need it right now. Like you're saying, Lillard will take it to the next level, but there's got to be some other help for him as well. Yeah, no, you're right, Trey. The, um, Anthony Simons is definitely the one because uh, everybody's been waiting on it. Um, he's someone who the players have spoken about. I don't know if you guys have seen over the last couple of years things that the players have said about him, things that uh, Neil O'Shea, the president of basketball operations, has said, but Neil basically said a couple seasons ago that Anthony is as gifted a player as anyone he's ever drafted. And that includes the guys at the Clippers, Blake Griffin. It includes Damon, CJ. And so that's pretty high praise. And, you know, a a fan base hears that and they don't like piece it out word for word. (laughs) The fact that he said he's as gifted, not saying he's necessarily right now as good. Right. And so for, for a while now, the fan base has been waiting to see, okay, let's see Damian Lillard part two. And that hasn't been the case for Anthony with consistency. He has shown in flashes some really good stuff, but he he had a tough spell going back to last season. He got off to a good start in the season, and then there was a significant dip, and then Gary Trent Jr. emerged. Um, but Anthony's definitely the first one because the ball is in the guards' hands a lot here, and they need him to be aggressive. They need him to score. Another person um, who's a more proven commodity is Rodney Hood. So Rodney didn't play last game, um, had a bit of a thigh contusion. But the game before that against the Spurs, he had 21 points. It was clearly his best game of the year. Before that game, he had totaled 18 points for the whole season. And then he surpassed that in one game with the Spurs. Rodney is coming off the Achilles injury, and he's starting to look like himself. And I'm really – I've been intrigued by Rodney since he joined the team because he came over from Cleveland. But before that, he was with the Jazz. And I remember he had a year with the Jazz. He was averaging 17 points a game um, in about 28 minutes a game for a team that was like 25th in pace. So I started to think, well, if you throw him in this offense with Coach Stotts, 
And alongside Dame and CJ, and now the case would be without CJ, I think he could be a 20-point-per-game scorer, like uh, if he's healthy and feels good enough to. So I'm really curious to see how the next few weeks look for him. Absolutely. You don't, you don't ever uh, get out on the court and just uh, show Coach Stotts that that jumper of yours is still falling to <laughs> you. <I'm> not... <laughs> no, may, maybe if the backcourt wasn't what it was, uh, I feel a little more uh, confident, emboldened to do something like that. But no, no, these guys are so good, man. I, I, I have enough fun just sitting back on the sideline and watching. Yeah, I was gonna say with, with the Blazers, you gotta start working on like your post game. If, if they need a big guy, if anything, because all the injuries to Collins and Nurk and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, they. I'm curious to just see. I, I really am, man. I, I, uh, like I said, every season since I've been here, when something has happened, there's been something on the other side of it. Right. So I'm just waiting to see what it is. Staying positive. Well, we asked uh, some of our fans. Uh, on Twitter, you know, you got a question for Lamar, hit us up. And we got some good ones. So I'm going to throw a couple at you. At Mindset Vegan said, you always give hints of your playing days. I would love to hear more. Who was your biggest competition? What was your greatest playing moment? And give us an OSU plug. Why should athletes want to go play for the Beavers? So sort of three questions in there about your your playing career in college. And then like you did say, you played uh, professionally overseas one year. Well, we'll start with the last question because that's the easiest one to answer. You go to Oregon State because Corvallis is the best college town in the Pac-12. Family atmosphere, great school, great facilities. The upgrades have been crazy Like since I left school. Um, It looks like an entirely different campus. Uh, but really, it is just a great place. Um, it If it fits your personality, if your personality is one kind of like mine, where, you know, just kind of chill, lay back, uh, not looking for a whole lot in the form of um, needing, I guess, being in a city atmosphere. Right. Some schools are in the city area. Um, then I really, I don't know a better place for you. Um, in terms of competition, best competition, uh, in Germany, so I played in first division Germany when I was over there. And so that's a that's a solid league. And there were several former pros there. I think that year, one of the better players I played against was William Avery. You guys remember him from Duke? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was over there. He played for Berlin. Um, he was on a team with Chris Owens from Texas. And they had somebody else on their team that was really good. But they were one of the best teams. Um uh, trying to think who else had a team with names that you would recognize gosh that, that might take me a little bit of time well, what was your what was your Al Bundy moment then what was your greatest basketball moment and you can go back to high school it can be college it can be overseas what, what would you say it is greatest basketball moment yeah. um well the one that in Texas that um I was known for for the longest and um there's probably people still down there that remember this I had a teammate that scored 101 points in a game. His name is Cedric Hensley. And and this is the wild part about it. He did it the same night DeWan Wagner scored 100 points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. Night. Same exact night. And so wow. in that game, I had like 33 assists. Oh, Scott <laughs> over and it was, it was a Texas record. It might still be. I, I have no clue. Uh, but for... I guess five to 10 years after that happened, like there would be people that who were familiar with Texas basketball that would connect me with that, like right away. Like, wow. oh, you're going to do that. Y'all, y'all had a 101 points and you had 30 something assists. And it was in, it was actually in a Texas museum in Waco. There's this 
uh, museum that houses all the high school <laughs> basketball stuff. And I was in there. Wow. So like, and I still might be. I just don't know. I haven't been there. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a tough record to beat, I would think. Yeah, that's a lot of assists. How many of these assists were just like, here, shoot it, here, shoot it, here, shoot it? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't no. remember. It was such a long time ago. Um, I'd say probably half of them. Right. Probably half of them. But this kid, this kid was like really good. He was a good player. He ended he went to the University of Houston, but he had scholarship offers from like he could have gone to Arizona. Wow. Um, he had a lot of offers, but wanted to stay hometown. So I was glad I played with him. Um, aside from that, I would say maybe in college, there were some good players I got a chance to play against there. Um, I felt like the the toughest guy to defend um, for me was my freshman season, because as a freshman, it's always just tough learning defense anyway. It's like being a rookie in the NBA. Uh, Luke Rittenauer played for the Oregon Ducks, and they gave him like the ultra green light. And they ran this pick and roll in the middle of the floor. It was the first time that I had ever dealt with that. Like I never dealt with that in high school or even in AAU. And here I am defending against this dude who was a lottery pick. And he just had the screen in the middle and he could always get open and shake free. Um, He was a good one. Salim Stoudemire at Arizona was a really, really tough player. Um, I always want to give him his due because – some people have forgotten about him, you know, like his senior year, he was shooting better than JJ Reddick was. Wow. Uh, he was athletic. He could do a lot of different things. And then the Washington Huskies. So people heard about the Washington Huskies with Brandon Roy and uh, Will Conroy and Nate Robinson. Um, and some of those guys they had, but I feel like our team is the one that made them good because my sophomore year in college, those guys started out conference play either 0 and 4 or 0-5, and, and they, like, were good, but they weren't winning. And they were playing a game against us. It was a home game for us. We were up by, like, 20 points in the second half. They came all the way back, and then Nate Robinson hits this shot at the buzzer to tie the game, send it in overtime. They ended up winning the game in overtime, and then from there, they just skyrocketed. They ended up making the NCAA tournament <laughs> that season, and then the next season, they ended up being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And their program never looked back. But that was the start of it. It's whenever, whenever I see Lorenzo Omar, who was their coach at the time and now is at Pepperdine, I'm Lorenzo, you you owe me some money. <laughs> <laughs> Jump started, y'all. Incredible. All right, a couple yeah. more questions. This one from, uh, I like this one from at NBA underscore Harvey. You often call Damian Lillard the best leader in sports, Lamar, a statement that uh, Harvey agrees with you being a Blazers fan. Being around the team, though, at least when you could be uh, over the last couple of years, what does that sort of leadership look like in person from a guy like Damian? Uh, it's... It's tough to explain because when you explain it, it kind of minimizes it to me because as I explain it, the thing that would make sense for someone hearing it is to attach it with what's the closest thing that you've seen that sounds like what I'm talking about. Uh, he's he's an everyday person in the literal sense. He shows up every day for people. Um, he's He's extremely observant. He realizes the level of influence he has and he uses that for good. Like he's not looking to wield his power in order to be self-serving if it's going to be a detriment to somebody else. Um, he he recognizes situations. Um, so I, I'll give like one really quick example. Mm-hmm. Um, last year when we were in Phoenix, Dame was uh, going to this basketball skills clinic that his trainer, Phil Beckner, 
who's another great dude, was putting on. And Phil invited me to come out to the clinic. And so I ended up going. And when I got there, I walked into this gym and it's a gym full of coaches, Arizona coaches, high school coaches, just junior high, high school, whatever. And there was this young man who wandered into the gym and I was standing by the doors like I was off behind the scenes. And when the young man stumbled in, he saw me and he said, he said, what's going on in here? And I said, it's a coach's clinic. You know, like, what, what are you doing? Because you look like a high school kid. And he's like, oh, I'm just here. trying. To, I was trying to get to a practice. I got a practice going on. And we just started talking a little bit. And I could tell, like, the, the young man, I could tell, like, he loved basketball, uh, seemed impressionable. And so I knew, like, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at my phone. I knew, like, oh, Dame's going to be here, like, any minute. And this is the kind of young man that if Dame could, like, just talk to for, like, 10 seconds, like, it would change a dude's life. Like, it, it made me think of me when I was in high school. If I was in high school and something like that happened, I walked into a gym and Damian Lillard was there. And I knew like he might come just say hi to me. That kind of stuff would change my life because I cared about basketball like that. And I got the sense from that young man. So um, the kid was about to leave. And I didn't want to tell him Damian Lillard was coming because I didn't want him to stay just for that. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to stay because there was a basketball clinic. So I started telling him like, yeah, there's about to be a clinic. That guy over there, his name's Phil Beckner. He's about to host it. They're going to be teaching, you know, like this is a good moment for you to be here. And and I and the kid said, I know, I know, but I think I might need to go soon. I might. And I said, well, if you're going to get in trouble, like if you need to go to your practice, go to your practice. But like if you just don't want to be here because this looks boring, then if I were you, I want to do that. <laughs> He's like, well, like uh, how long is this clinic going to be going on? I was like, I don't know. I'm just telling you, if I were you, I would not do that. And it resonated with him. Like he didn't know what I was talking about. I think he just thought I was talking about the clinic. And he's like, OK, I'll stay. I listen. So he stood there with me for like 20, 30 more minutes. And uh, we're sitting there just watching the clinic. And you guys know, like sometimes like a clinic type setting, it's not always the most exciting thing if there's teaching going on. Like, but some of the most important information could be some of the most boring information. And I told the kid that as we're watching and you can see like he's soaking up the information. And then like all of a sudden, Dame comes in through the side door over there and the kid's eyes lit up so big. Like he almost lost his mind. And he's like, that's what was coming? You didn't tell me it was Damien. <laughs> and I was like, I know. I was like, I, cause I didn't want you to stay for that. And so here's where here's where Dame being Dame comes in. I knew that if Dame saw me talking to the kid, he would make sure to come over there and connect with the kid. Sure enough, Dame is he's on the opposite end of the floor. There are like a hundred coaches in here, and he's saying hi to this one shaking hands with this one. This is the pre-COVID days, obviously. And, you know, he's doing this and he's working his, and now he's at half court and he's talking to this person. Now he's working his way down. Now he's at the uh, free throw line by where we are. And we're like deep on the baseline and he's working his way. He's working in his, his way. And he gets right over to us and says a quick, what's up to me. And then spends the rest of the time saying what's up to the kid and just talking to him. And then Dane then went onto the floor to go um, be a part of the clinic. And the kid was shook and he was like, oh, man, I got, I got to, I got to, can I go sit over there? Can I go sit? <laughs> and I said, I thought you got to leave. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. So then the kid went, sat down on the front row and stayed there for the rest of the clinic. Wow. The rest of the time. And like, that's a really minor thing, but Dane would do that anywhere. So like, that was just one example 
But this guy, every day, somebody wants him to be present for them like that. Yeah, and yeah. he is all the time. Um, and I'll leave, And then the last thing, I, there's a story uh, that, like, when I call him the greatest leader in sports, it's not to say, like, there aren't other, like, really good leaders. Like, I know other teams have really good leaders. Um, what I'm saying is I feel extremely confident, so much so that I'm willing to say it, that there's nobody who does it better. So there might be somebody else who does it as well, but there's nobody who does it better. And there's a story that I have personally um, that happened with me and involving Dame that I can't share only because it would be irresponsible of me to share right now. One day I will be able to share this story. And what I might do, I might come back on here to share with you guys first. All right. (laughs) I'm not trying to leave it as like information and I'm holding on. Like, it's not that at all. But I just want people to know when I say it, it's because like I've lived it and I've lived some stuff with him that stands out and um, not not a lot of people would do. That's, all right, we got the scoop. When, yeah, when you're exactly, ready to share yeah, that story, we'll yeah. get you back on. You I said feel like the kid waiting at the clinic, like yeah, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? <laughs> well, actually, something you slipped in there, Lamar. You said like you were thinking you were putting yourself in that kid's shoes. You know, like wow, what type of experience that would be for like in his instance, Lillard to walk in. But when you were a kid, Lamar, who was your Lillard? Like who would have been that to you? Yeah. Um, a, f- a couple guys. So number okay. one, uh, uh, Penny Hardaway was my favorite player. Oh yeah, up. that's why I wore number one in college. I, I always wanted to be six seven as a point guard. <laughs> I was six four. So I felt a little cheated, but I loved Penny. Um, but also the hometown team, the Houston Rockets, for me. Growing up as a kid in Houston, my mom was a Rockets junkie. She's the one that got me on the basketball. And um, uh, any one of those Rockets okay. had they walked in like, and that's the thing for me. It didn't have to be like Hakeem or Clyde um, or or even Kenny Smith. Um, it could have been anybody. Like I remember talking to Matt Bullard uh, before <laughs> I took the Blazer job um, because, you know, I wanted to ask like, hey, what's it like, you know, working in the league? And I was excited then just to talk to Matt Bullard. I was like, I remember you shooting them threes. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up watching that. So um, any one of the Rockets, but really maybe maybe Kenny Smith would have been the one above all, just because I got a chance afterwards too to watch Kenny transition into television, which is something I wanted to do. And he's somebody who like helped make that real for me. And I I got a chance to share this with them because our organization here at the Blazers, we did an internal um, kind of uh, program and we had Kenny join us for it. And I got to interview him for that. And I got to share with him that, you know, I grew up in Houston and he's like the main reason why I got into TV because I saw him as one of my childhood um, figures going from basketball at that level to transition into TV. So if he had walked in a gym like that, then, yeah, I would have lost my mind. That's absolutely <laughs> lost my mind. Well, we got to let you go here soon. Again, it's early for you, but we had one more question from at N. Wilkinson 10. What's been your fl- uh, favorite Blazers moment to call? Uh, game five, OKC. Yeah, that's, that's what I yet. figured. <laughs> Hands down. Well, so there's a, there's a, there's several reasons for it. It's uh, so the, the what I was telling you about this story with Dane. This happened that season. Mm. So that's why I started calling him the greatest leader of sports that season. Greatest leader in sports that season is because like I witnessed it, and um, throughout that season, you guys might remember. Uh, Russell Westbrook 
was like going at Dame for mm. fear. Oh yeah. It was, this is how out of control it was. There was, I don't know if it was that season or the season before, but there was a game where OKC came to Portland and played and there was a ball on the floor. The whistle had already blown balls dead. Dame went over to go pick up the ball yeah. and Westbrook just kicked the ball. <laughs> and and uh, it was like, just, it was random. The next game was at Denver. And when we flew to Denver, got off the, the bus at the hotel, went in, I went to my room really quick, changed, and then went to the workout facility in the hotel, and Dame was already there somehow. And when we got in the room, I I was like, hey, like, you know, because I'm I'm relatively new to the league. Like, I, I didn't know if there was some beef going on before. And I just said, hey, is you and Westbrook, are y'all, are y'all like enemies or what's like? <laughs> and, and Dame looked like you're talking about the kick last night. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know why he did that. Like, I, he's like, that was weird. I, I don't know why he did it. And because um, Dame always gives Russ props. Like, he gives Russ nothing but love. So going into that series, those two have been going at it back and forth. And I had felt like um, Dame knew that I have to come out in this series and kill him first because he's going to try to kill me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make sure the entire world knows he got me. And I remember game one, we didn't broadcast game one, uh, but we did the other games. But game one, I was watching it, and I remember Dame's first shot was like a 25-foot, 30-foot bomb. And I remember kind of standing, like sitting up on my seat because I knew like, oh, it's going to be that kind of series. That's, that's how you're approaching this series. <laughs> so when we get to game five, and in that game, CJ, who also played great, like CJ's play gets overshadowed in that series because Dane was that good. But CJ was great. Like, those two as a tandem outplayed Westbrook and Paul George. Mm-hmm. CJ got into foul trouble. Um, OKC was up double digits, like, several times in that game, including late in the game. Dame had to play extended minutes, and he's, like, making everything all the way through. And we get to, like, near the middle of the fourth quarter, and OKC is, like, playing really well. And that season, guys, you'll, re- you'll remember when Paul George and Westbrook were playing good and, like, Jeremy Grant was hitting shots, like, and they were making threes. You weren't beating them. They yeah. won those games. And it felt like that was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, Yusuf Nurkic, who just broke his leg a month before, comes out of the tunnel, and then he's on a sideline. So we're calling the game. Like, like what's going on? It feels like a WWE match. <laughs> and then, like, the last, the last few minutes, Mo Harkless, who had missed, like, every free throw up until the last few minutes, all of a sudden starts making all his free throws. And they were all free throws that he had to make. And it got to a situation where every possession was like a must-score possession. Yeah. Blazers scored. TJ hit a 15-footer, then a bank shot. Like, they scored every time they had to. And then when they when the Blazers got that last stop, it was like everything is slowing down. Because it's like, oh, my gosh, this – because in my mind, like, I'm sure everybody else is just thinking in the moment, Blazers versus OKC – uh, game five, I'm thinking about the conversations Dame and I had leading up to that because we had had some significant conversations about this moment that was about to occur weeks before this game even happened. And it's like, whoa, we're here. And so I'm watching the play unfold. And then he was dribbling around half court. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you guys are feeling if you're watching that live. But I'm like, why is he dribbling around half court? That's yeah, exactly <laughs> what we were thinking. Like, when are you going here? Yeah, like, you gotta go. Yeah. What are you doing? And I was not even thinking a shot at that at that from that distance. 
which we should have been because he had just made one not too long ago with Paul George in his face. And like when he pulled up, it just felt like a surreal moment. It's like he's really shooting. He just purposefully opted to shoot this shot. (laughs) Nobody made him do it. And like the ball's in the air. And like when it went inside the cylinder, it took me like it felt like half a second in real time. But when I hear the call back, it sounds like I reacted immediately. But I felt like it took me half a second to realize the ball actually went through and he made the basket and I just lost it. And <laughs> and I, I I I like scream and then like I was standing up. I was standing up, guys. During this yeah, moment. you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be professional. Yeah. I would stand up while we're broadcasting the games. Good. And I was just standing there and I was just looking and it took me, I think like a minute and a half before I even started talking again. And I just let Kevin Calabro um just handle it from there. And he he did what he does. He uh made the moment even more beautiful, but that was definitely the moment, but not just for the shot. It's because of all the context. Sure. With- you weren't you weren't waving to the OKC bench as well. For <laughs> 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 the way. I mean and you know that shot where you see Dame like staring into the camera? Yeah. Afterwards that yeah. so that's from our TV shot, but right. I didn't see it because I wasn't looking at our screen. Right. I was looking on the floor. So it wasn't until I went home that night that I saw that shot. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Oh my god! Like that's crazy to think. Like you're gonna have a very long career in this game here, calling these games. Uh, I mean, will it be better than that? Will you ever get a better moment than that? It's I don't know. You I, do I, not. I, I, I mean, I've said, I've said, Je. I, I don't know. I don't know how you. The only way to me that you you top that is like it's a championship winning yeah, shot. Yeah, basically. I don't know. Have you guys? Have you seen somebody shoot that kind of shot to end a series? Uh, that deep? Not that deep. No. Even Paul George yeah. was like, not that deep. Yeah. That's yeah. too far, man. Yeah. yeah. No. Like a no. jump shot? What? Yeah. The only comparable one as a Raptors fan, just the pure craziness, is the Kawhi, you know, four bouncer. And it's just like that moves them on to the next round. But yeah, I mean, that's a different type of shot. It's crazy. Man, your, your, your joy for just speaking about a play or a series is so infectious, Lamar. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. We, we could have you on for another hour here. We'll let you go. We got to do this again. I hope we can in the future. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and hopefully Taz can join next time. Absolutely. For yeah. For sure. Well, thank you so much. Uh, what, what's the easiest way for people to follow you? Uh, is it What's your Twitter handle? I guess I, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's L underscore herd. I've been a very lame follow okay. the last <laughs> month. I haven't been very active. I'll get back to it, though, at some point. I, I will. But L underscore herd is my Twitter handle. Well, thank you so much. And uh, may the wedgie gods continue to bless you, <laughs> Lamar. It's incredible. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you again. Yeah, hey, and thank you guys, man, seriously, for what you do for basketball. There's a lot of people who watch you guys who you guys have the same kind of influence on people that I talk about the players having on people and, like, my coach for me growing up. Like, there's people who are getting connected through the game because of you guys. So I appreciate that about y'all, man, and keep up all the great work. Very kind words. Thanks a lot, Mar. Yeah, for sure. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash nodunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash nodunks. Let's get to some NBA rumors. Some NBA rumors here. We'll go quickly because, man, we had a blast talking to Lamar Heard there. Shams dropped his inside pass. Yeah, grab a swig of water there, Lily. Nice. Refreshing. Yeah. Um, I know I get pumped up just yeah. hearing Lamar talk about it. <laughs> Need a timeout. I know. Um, so Shams at The Athletic had his inside pass. He always drops like all these nuggets. He's so connected. He had a couple in his article yesterday. I want to throw all three of them at you guys, and then you can tell me which one is the most intriguing. So Shams said, his reports, Pelicans willing to discuss trading. Lonzo Ball out or J.J. Redick. All right. Could be looking to move on from one or both of those guys. The Warriors and Pelicans discussed a potential deal involving Kelly Oubre Jr. And then the Knicks and the Clippers are reportedly among the interested teams in Pistons guard Derrick Rose. So that's a lot there, Trey. But of those, which one intrigues you the most? Well, I don't know which one intrigues me the most because I kind of think two of them are connected here. The Pelicans are willing to discuss a trade for J.J. Redick. Meanwhile, the Warriors and Pelicans have discussed a potential deal involving Kelly Oubre Jr. If you're a Lee Ellis and you fired up that trade machine, you can see that Kelly Oubre Jr. works in a trade for J.J. Redick, and that, to me, is the one that makes sense. It's going to be hard to figure out if uh, the Pelicans really want to do it because the Warriors don't have a ton of picks they can trade Mm. since they were involved in the Andrew Wiggins deal. Uh, They have a couple of picks going out. I think their 21 and their 24 are already traded, so it makes it pretty tough to do. But I do think J.J. Redick is the name to watch here because, to me, he's the only one I'm totally convinced would be able to stay on the floor in a playoff game. Lonzo, not so sure. You see a lot of non-shooters getting taken out of the game during the playoffs. Same with Kelly Oubre Jr. Maybe Derrick Rose would be a solid uh, pickup for a playoff team, but J.J., just the fact that he's a shooter and has had experience in the playoffs and at least knows where to be defensively is going to be a huge advantage to whichever team is able to pick him up. He hasn't found his shot yet this season, but I'm personally not worried about J.J. Redick having lost his jump shot. I assume it'll come back if he's playing on a team that has a little bit more potential. So for me, the big name of these four is definitely Redick. What do you think, Lily? Yeah, I think the Warriors are probably trying to look to get off that contract of Ubre because of the uh, tax implications as well. So, uh, and Ubre hasn't really worked out there for them. He's hasn't. Uh, he's gotten a little bit better than from that icy cold start there. But uh, JJ, yeah, put him out on the court there with Steph. Spreads the floor. We know that uh, as a veteran at his stage of his career, 
he'll start knocking down those shots pretty quickly. But of course, the connection with Thibs and Derek Rose will will remain. So it sort of makes sense to me that 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 something like that could happen. Obviously, the Pistons are nowhere near contending. The Knicks aren't much better, but they're doing better than the Pistons right now. And I just think uh, Thibs likes his guys. He likes his guys. He uh, he got Taj there back as well. Um, in Minnesota, and Taj was, uh, is Taj actually in the Knicks now? Uh, I know I he was connected remember. there. He was connected. Did he ever yeah. get signed? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Um, Not playing much of his. So uh, I think that might happen, and then you might see uh, Noah come out of retirement, maybe, and go back to the Knicks. Maybe uh, that's what uh, Tibbs would like to do, I think. so. But uh, Derek Rose is going to be moved, for sure. Well, he was going be to be shocked. moved last year, though, as well. And he yeah, well, but... that's why I'm doubling down on him getting moved this year. <laughs> I, like, and, and though, you know, he makes sense for a lot of teams as a sixth guy, uh, sixth man, or a guy coming off your bench, I think. He could still score. He, and, and, you know, obviously as a, a vet in this league, has been in big playoff series and stuff like that. I think he can contribute on the right team. I could see why a team like the Clippers, who, I mean, you saw Reggie Jackson have to be the main guy, um, you know, last night's game, and he put up a great line, but... When Reggie Jackson is your guy, it's sometimes uh, it can be hit or miss, and, and that's fine. Again, he had a good game. He was out of the rotation a couple nights ago. So I could see the Clips wanting him. The Knicks, I see almost like, yeah. Like, I know Knicks fans might be like, oh, no, don't take away minutes from, like, quickly or stuff like that, and I get that. But it could also just be, like, as a locker room presence and a guy, like, trying to, like, just sort of build up a rookie and teach him the ins and outs of having a long career. I can see that Rose fit with, of course, Tibbs in the mix, too. What about Lonzo Ball on the Warriors, though? You don't think Steve Kerr, like, he likes... I know you're going to get right to, like, well, can he shoot the three? But, but there have been many guys in, like, the Kerr Warriors, like, team there. Guy that can play defense, like, switchy on that end, and has incredible playmaking abilities, which Lonzo still does. I could see him being, you know, in the right spot uh, working in the Warriors system. Maybe. I don't think he would personally... He would be a perfect fit for Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr likes to play guys who can do a little bit of everything, can play defense and move the ball and maybe knock down a jumper. But to me, the way the Warriors are going to get best this season is if Steph Curry has the ball the entire time. And in that case, having Lonzo Ball on the other side just standing around isn't going to do you much good. That being said, he's a young guy. He's still got intriguing potential. And you can see him as a third guard eventually whenever Klay Thompson is back. Then maybe his shooting doesn't or his lack of shooting doesn't yeah. matter quite as much when he's the third guy and all you're wanting him is to be Mario Chalmers, move the ball, sometimes <laughs> get in the lane and pass it out. But I don't know. Uh, uh, bringing in another point guard, giving Steve Kerr another reason to take the ball out of Steph Curry's hands, no thanks. Yeah, you're, you just want Lonzo to be like uh, Livingston, basically, without the uh, without the jump shot that Livingston was always cash, but he could obviously contribute in other facets of the game. Yeah, we'll see. You know, these are not the sexiest rumors here with any of these guys, but the Pelicans off to that slow start. We talked about them. You know, you got to start assuming maybe David Griffin shakes it up a little bit because the backcourt is not working and the lack of shooting around Zion and stuff like that and Ingram in there, uh, especially with Steven Adams inside, that's not working. So what can you do? We'll see. If any of these guys move, Ball, Redick, Ubre, Rose, let us know who you think is uh, most likely to be gone. All right, that was a lot of fun with Lamar Hurd. This was a fun, fun show. Let's get to Tweet of the Night, though, Lily, before we go. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, well, you guys, we sort of uh, referenced it there earlier in the uh, Rockets and Wizards game. And I'm going back to that game because uh, Wall and Westbrook got into it in the fourth. And after the game, John Wall took a, uh, you know, what happens on the court stays on the court approach. You know, he kind of referenced like his history and his record there against uh, Russell Westbrook. 
And, uh, and and this is what Tim McMahon from ESPN tweeted here. Uh, John Wall says it was just basic basketball trash talk with Russell Westbrook that led to double T's. Also notes that he hasn't gotten the best of Russ often. Russ has been kicked my ass for years. He's a hell of a talent. This ain't the first time we've talked trash before. So, you know, John Wall taking the high yeah. road. Russ, well, uh, he took a different approach. <laughs> I don't start talking shit. I just defend myself. People just say anything, especially when I know the facts. I think they just started talking shit because they started to win at that time. It's all right. We play them again. <laughs> uh, one of them won the game. Won. One of them lost the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, do, I just there. feel that was a thing like Wall. And, you know, John Wall hasn't played for a couple of years. He's just happy to be back out there. The trash talk is a part of just being on the court. Westbrook, though, he's ready to fight anyone over anything, anytime. <laughs> Frustrated Russell Westbrook, for sure. All right, let's get two pick'em results. It was that game. A lot of us had Houston to win, covered by two and a half. Traded, leaded, I did. We all got the victory. Big one for you guys. Improved to 10 and 13. I'm 13 and 10. Tass had the Wizards. Falls to 8 and 15. Ugh. Tassie, what is that record looking like? Uh, well, I guess it is better than the Wizards still. But anyway, uh, Tass needs this one tonight. And our game is the Mavericks in Utah. Take on the Jazz, who have won nine straight. Utah favored by four and a half. That's it. What do you think? I know it's back to back for them, but who do you got, Lily? Get us started. Yeah, it is a back-to-back, and the Jazz are almost due for a bad one here. But they're just playing so well at both ends of the floor. Uh, I think they've got five points in them, so I'll take the Jazz. Trey? Yeah, I'm going with the Jazz, too. Wouldn't be an NBA season without a 10-game win streak from Utah. This will be <laughs> 10 tonight. And like Lee's saying, they've been playing really well. Maybe their stinker was the first half last night, because they didn't look very good last night against the Knicks. So a little bounce-back game from Donovan Mitchell. That's a problem for the Mavericks. Uh, I'm not going to overthink this. I'm not picking against a team that's one nine straight, and especially with a line like this, four and a half. Yeah, five is doable. It could, it could be close, I guess, but I'll go Utah as well. So that's all three of us on the Jazz. Let's find out who Tass took. The Mavs. That's it. The Mavs. Uh, yeah, he's getting desperate. He's got to make up some ground because we're running out of January, and he's two back from you guys. He's eight and fifteen. You guys are ten and thirteen. I'm thirteen and ten. So Dallas, uh, four and a half uh, or plus four and a half, I guess, in Tass's. Uh, case you guys have and i do the jazz to win by five or more all right let's call it there again thank you so much to uh, blazers tv analyst lamar Hurd. that was so much fun we will have to have him back on the show shout out to the stream team for joining us live we're gonna try something new guys on the channel tomorrow night probably around um halftime of the first game on tnt which correct me if i'm wrong got changed so i think they switched it up i think it's now the blazers rockets game if I have that correctly, unless I have that backwards. But anyway, around halftime of the first TNT game, we're going to jump on YouTube here. Call it We're calling it NBA Happy Hour. Crack a beer and just shoot the shit with some of the fans out there. See, I got questions. That'll be the time to get them in. I never get to look at the comments from the stream team while we're doing these shows. There's so much going on. So we're just going to sit there. You know, Maybe we'll have the game on, watch that side of our eye, but really just talk it up. So looking forward. I know, Trey, you're going to join me. Lily, I don't know if uh, you'll be reading bedtime stories at that time. We'll figure it out. Again, it's going to be mad casual. That's on Thursday night, NBA happy hour. So make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Hit that little notification button so you'll know exactly when we're going live, we're hanging out, we're talking hoops, and we're having a beer. Email us your questions and comments for our classic Beach Steppin' podcast. New one coming today. It's Wednesday. Doesn't feel like a Wednesday to me. It's one of those Wednesdays where I was like, it's not Wednesday. It's Wednesday. 
Uh, it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. So beach step and coming later this afternoon. You guys got some great questions in, but keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Immaculate items always available for sale over at nodunks.com. And finally, grab an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks where you can sign up for three ninety nine. dollars And month. Uh, just quickly, tomorrow I'll be bringing back popping packs, but with uh, not an NBA guest. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, te- tease it, tease it, tease it, man. Uh, he's a what? YouTube sensation in the sort of Steve Irwin type of mold. So, uh, yeah. A YouTube Steve sensation Irwin in the type mold. of Steve Yeah, he's got like Irwin. nearly 2 million subscribers on YouTube. Okay. And uh, likes to do things, likes to have a lot of animals bite him. So, um, yeah, bit of a crossover. <laughs> okay. I have no idea who you're having on Poppin' Packs, but I'll be watching. So that will be live on Instagram, uh, and we'll figure it out. What, we'll figure out whether we may turn it into a podcast or it's up on YouTube and stuff like that. Is that correct? Is that the plan? Yeah, still yeah. We, we might even just do this one just on YouTube, tomorrow okay? Because YouTube's his Perfect. platform. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we got to cash in on those two million uh, subscribers. This random person has. Yeah, we got to get some of them. <laughs> you you might have to start having animals bite you on the uh, on the show just to build up that uh, following support. Maybe. I had a giant snake on me once upon a time. Peaches. No, oh, that's right. Oh, peaches. Yeah. 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 Uh, peaches was fine. It was those other tiny snakes that I was yeah. not a fan Creepy, of going on my ones. shirt and stuff. Oh, yeah. Wasn't a fan of that one. That was a tough pick em. We got to figure out what we're doing for this pick em too, by the way. So if you have an idea, you know, tweet at us at no dunks Inc. Email it in, no dunks at theathletic.com, or you can let us know in the comments. What should? It appears like it could be Tass. I don't want to jinx you guys, but Tass is two back. Going to need this one tonight. Uh, what should the loser, whoever's in last place, do in our pick em payoff? You guys have anything uh, come to mind? I, I know Trey you shared like Trey shared a video. I think of a guy like funneling a can of beans, <laughs> a bean bong, bean bong. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If I lose, I feel like I should have to eat five roast beefs during an episode. Oh, Eats. Okay. I know uh, you're probably not going to lose this one, but we had talked about uh, crushing some olives. <laughs> yeah, maybe the bean bong. Who knows? Who knows what uh, Tass's food tie-in is going to be here? But. Uh, We'll, we'll run it back. Well, maybe no Tass will just have to use that Bowflex behind him. That <laughs> whole episode of In the basement. He's got to work out. We've done some, uh, some of those variations before. All right, let's call it there. Wow, long, long show, but that was a lot of fun. We will see you guys later today for Beach Step In. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, 101 points is impressive, but 33 assists? Now that's really something. Brace the day, people. You could stay ooh, every day, and I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. Hey baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.